The voice of reason. The voice of alarm. The voice of stats. The voice of scouts. The voice of Kool-Aid. The voice of dismay. The voice of Devo. Well, as things turned out, a series that started so well on Friday ended so bad on Sunday. Welcome into another edition of Clubhouse Conversation. It's Devo back from vacation. I've been out of town the last couple of days. It's your series dish this time, as since I missed game one and game two, didn't get to watch them in full, obviously. Saturday wasn't on TV at all. Saw the majority of Friday and all of today, but since I did miss some of the series and today wasn't a great game, we're going to kind of go over the entire series day by day a little bit and give my thoughts on that before we get into Tampa Bay. So let's look at the series as a whole here. The weekend, like I said, Friday night. How fun was that on Friday? The dominating work of Jordano Ventura. Didn't even strike out that many guys. Was able to go, you know, eight and a third. Was so close to getting his first big league shutout and complete game. Didn't quite happen, but you also saw a big three-run homer by Mike Moustakis. He saw three extra base hits in the first major league start by Christian Colon. Friday, the Royals played good defense. Eric Hosmer was great over there at first base, although he... Got his first double today in like 10 years. So that was nice to see a little excuse me swing. <laughs> Grounder up the third base line of the ninth inning didn't matter, but good to see him break his extra base hit streak, which has been, what, two and a half weeks now, middle of June. So Hosmer did get a, a double today. But anyway, back on track for Friday. So you started off the series in fantastic fashion on Friday. You get a nice easy one in the fourth. You're thinking, okay, we got the two out of three. You know, it's TJ House and Jeremy Guthrie tomorrow. We got the big-time pitching matchup, which the Royals did on paper. But this being baseball and Jeremy Guthrie being so great lately, there was finally an outing where he didn't have it, and he was due for one of those, as all pitchers are. And Jeremy Guthrie, a guy that you hope can be in the mid-threes to high threes realistically for his ERA, which I'm sure he would take. If you told him he finished with an ERA around 3.7, 3.8, he would take that. So, you know, that gets his ERA back above four, but – Kind of one of those outings that gets him back to the mean where he should be. Now he'll probably have another good one before the All-Star break to get it back in the threes. But Jeremy Guthrie just didn't have it yesterday. TJ House, the Royals had him on the rope several times, but just missed opportunities. Bad base running by Billy Butler, which we'll talk about here a little bit later. And then today, there was just two positive things. Again, Mike Moustakis, who all of a sudden is looking like he's, I don't want to say turning things around because he's still around the Mendoza line, but in small sample size, but over the last couple of weeks, he's been playing pretty well, been playing great defense, turned a fantastic triple play, or double play, not triple play, <laughs> fantastic double play earlier in the game today. His defense has been solid. He's starting to hit home runs up to 10 now with another solo shot against Corey Kluber. That'd be all the Royals got today, of course. Then that big 10-pitch walk, that showed me a lot. So that was number one good thing today. Number two was the fact that Danny Duffy had a bad start, and that was six innings pitched, four runs, and six Ks, and really could have been six innings pitched, three runs, and Eric Hosmer came up with a play that he normally does. So Danny Duffy, six Ks, six innings, four runs, there were ten hits. But if that's a bad start for Danny Duffy, then talk about giant progress for a guy who would have completely imploded in a game like this a year ago. You know, He wouldn't have made it out of the fourth inning this time last year. He's learning how to pitch, and it's, it's awesome to see – that happened. So to me, that was a step forward today where Danny Duffy made a couple of bad pitches, didn't have his great stuff, left the ball up quite a bit, especially early. Was he able to go six, you know, matches innings with strikeouts. That's big. So a nice job by Duffy today in the in the grand scheme. The Royals, though, I, I didn't like their approach today at all against Corey Kluber. It's almost like they psyched themselves out. And I understand the approach you're coming off. I mean, 
start one in Cleveland back in April. We talked about it the other day when we previewed the, the series. About 103 pitches, complete game shutout, striking out double figures against the Royals. But then they hit him pretty well, you know. Got him out after I think it was five and a third in Kansas City. His last start got three or three earned runs, I believe it was. We previewed this all for you before the series. I'm going off the top of my head here right now with that. I don't have it in front of me. But, I mean, start number one against Kluber, he dominated. Start number two, the Royals hit him pretty good, pretty well. Now, throughout his career, he's been pretty damn good against the Royals, especially up there at Progressive Field. But I did. it's almost like the Royals psyched themselves out. Like, they told themselves. And they've done this several times this year. And it's worked a couple times, to give them credit. But certain starters that have that dominating slider, that dominating strikeout pitch, the Royals have struggled with. It's almost like they just tell themselves, oh, we got to get him the first two pitches. Two strikes, we're screwed. And it's like you're, you're, it's like the self-fulfilling prophecy. I, I just, I, it's obvious some games when they're more patient and good things just, you know, seem, seem to happen when the Royals are up there patient, waiting for the ball up and being patient. And I know he had a lot of sliders up in the zone that they were swinging and missing at early today, but you know, the, the, those weren't good pitches. I mean, just because the ball's up doesn't mean you have to swing at it. A lot of those were out of the zone. But I, I just didn't love their approach today. I understand the approach against Corey Kluber of trying to get to him before he gets to you with two strikes. But it's almost like the Royals just create these guys and turn them into Roger Clemens. I mean, yeah, Corey Kluber's a damn good pitcher. He should be a, a, on the All-Star team, as should Chris Sale. They shouldn't be in that you know five-to-vote-in list. But let's let's give ourselves a little credit, too. Let's not give the opponent too much credit. That's what I think about today's approach. So all in all, this series, let's talk about it overall. What do we think about this series? Well, the good, like we said, was Mike Moustakis. Donovan Turr on Friday. Danny Duffy. It was good to get Jeremy Guthrie's bad start out of the way because you knew that was coming pretty soon. He's been so good. That was coming. Francisley Buena, we'll talk more about him. In fact, let's go over five other things of note that I wanted to talk about that happened during this series and this weekend. Five things of note. And yeah, Francisley Buena, we'll start with him. All of a sudden, he's become an awesome fourth option in that pen right behind the big three of Holland, Davis, and Herrera. He's right there on the same, if not ahead of Aaron Crow in my book right now. Francisley Bueno, guy that can give you two and three innings as he did on Saturday. Just gets guys out. He always has since he's come up. I love seeing Francis Bueno out there. That's number one. Is That stuck out to me. Number two, the Royals, of course, added Scott Downs before today's game, who throughout his career has held lefties under 220 if you were a batting average person. I know a lot of stat people hate batting average, but for sake of quick argument, 224 this year against lefties. So, you know, Downs has done a pretty good job, only five points above his career average against lefties so he will shut down lefties as long as he throws strikes he's been walking a lot of guys this year control has been a big issue for downs he did come in and throw a, a scoreless seventh it was good to see of course though right handers are just drumming him this year as between that and the walks his era is 584 even after the scoreless seventh inning today so i like the addition of downs a lot of people are comparing it to graham lloyd good probably a good comparison kind of a end of the career lefty and a lot of people call the Royals kind of kind of in a pennant race right now. Fair enough. You know, the Royals haven't done enough outside of that 10-game winning streak to really call themselves legit contenders, but they are contenders right now. There's no doubt about that. So adding in Scott Downs, I think, was a nice, a nice move. Don't love it. If the, I mean, if all if all the Royals are gonna do is add a Banyas and Downs and go after 40-year-old guys off the waiver wire for the league minimum, then I'm not thrilled about these moves, but which may be all they're gonna do because Unless they're going to move Abanez or Downs, how many more spots do they have open on this roster? You know, maybe a backup catcher, maybe a utility infielder. Outside of that, 
You've already got too many outfielders when Aoki comes back, and that's also on our list of five things that stood out. Norio Aoki heading back out for his rehab to Northwest Arkansas. So, I mean, there's just not a lot of room for additions unless they're going to move Downs or, or uh, you know, Ibanez, or they plan on making another move. So I like the moves for what they are right now, but I hope I hope that's not all the Royals are going to do. I hope they're not just – I hope that's not all the payroll flexibility that Dayton Moore gets. It's just waiver wire minimum wage guys, if you want to look at it from the – baseball world and put it into everyday terms now a couple other things to note today obviously was well noted first time in over four years since june of 2010 where there was no gordon or butler in the lineup gordon given the day off i like it that's just he's been struggling he doesn't get too many days off they want to keep a bat in the lineup i'm fine with it you know what i'm also fine with billy butler not playing because it's 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 an interesting situation with butler because it's pretty clear that ned yost and billy butler don't like each other that's pretty clear with with the quotes going back and forth. I mean, we're not joking around when you've got Butler saying, I'm not going to go to, you know, what, about three or four weeks ago when they didn't start him in the National League. I was going to mess up his timing, and he's not going to go in and whine because he knows it won't do him any good. It makes him look like a non-team player, but it's ridiculous, and his numbers speak for themselves. You hear that, and then you hear him, you know, getting dropped down in the order to six yesterday, talking about how, oh, you know, I'm the guy that can take it. And I guess, you know, they could make examples out of other people, but they're making it out of me. And then today, it's just like, Butler is just like at some point. I understand you used to hit. You used to, you have great numbers throughout your career, no doubt. But you know, like like a year ago, I was 15 pounds lighter and could run a mile a minute faster. That doesn't mean I can do it now. Like, yeah, I one time did that, but it's like you know, there's a lot of baseball players. I mean, Raul Abanez, the first half of last year, clubbed over 20 home runs. You know, since then he hasn't. Doesn't mean he's going to do it again. You know, I mean, it's just I, I, I find it kind of laughable. And I, I appreciate Butler for what he's done for this organization. And he's had some great years here in Kansas City. But obviously, the end is near for Butler. We're down to his last few months of the Royal. And I don't appreciate his quotes and kind of attitude that he has. He claims he's a team guy. He's not really a team guy in the grand scheme of things. A lot of his teammates don't care for him at all. He's not well liked. The manager doesn't really like him. He doesn't do anything but hit. He's not doing that. He can't run. He doesn't keep himself in great shape, which is none of this stuff is earth shattering news to anybody. You know, and, and it's all it's like he compares himself to Eric Cosmer or, you know, he might say Gordon's been struggling. I mean, and they did they did in fairness to, to Billy, they did all you know and to Yost, they did of course take Gordon out of the lineup too, which is more of just a day off than a benching. Butler was a clear benching, no doubt in my mind. You can you can you can spin that as it was a day off against a tough right hander. It was a benching. No doubt it was a benching. If you're starting Danny Valencia at DH, you're benching Butler. That's not a day off. So, but at the end of the day, like Butler compares himself to, I mean, Eric Cosmer's out there playing a position. He's out there winning a gold glove. He can run the bases. I mean, he brings you other things to the table. As Frank White famously always says, he, he drops something in the bucket each day. He's doing something to try and help the team win. Now, Hosmer has been a huge disappointment as well. No doubt. But at the end of the day, Billy, a, it's not 2012 anymore. Just because you did something in the past doesn't mean it's going to happen. You've had well over 300 bats. We're into the July, almost the All-Star break. You're sitting at two home runs. I mean, those are great numbers if you're Fernando Cortez, who, by the way, we're going to talk to here on Clubhouse Conversation. Shout out to Fernando. Be talking to him here later this week. Came over from the the Rays back in the day with Joey Gathright. I mean, if you're a middle infielder who's playing 100 bats a year or something, two home runs is great. Brett Hayes, that's great. You're Billy Butler. You're being paid $8 million to hit the baseball. You're not doing it. I don't want to hear about how you hit two years ago or last year. 
I don't like the attitude. Get out there, just be a man and take it. I, I know you're not going to get that. I know now he's thinking about his contract and he's on the last year and he can't afford to start losing at bats because then he really won't produce. Well, you've had over half the year to produce. The Royals are in the you know, put up or shut up phase. And I don't mean to, to single out Billy Butler. It just kind of rubbed me the wrong way. And I was wanted to note that those two are out of the lineup. I'm fine with the Gordon. I'm fine with the Butler. And I, with that all said, Billy's back in there tomorrow. You have to put him back in there tomorrow. Billy needs to play all three games against Tampa. I will say that. You sent the message to him by moving him down in the order, by setting him out, put him back in. And he had that boneheaded base running, which probably was – he did have two hits yesterday when he moved him down to six in the lineup. But then, of course, he had the boneheaded base running play. We've seen that first or third attempt, what – twice now in the last month, not to mention the time where Yost famously didn't pinch run for him and Butler tried to tag and go to third, which he did make only because the throw hit him late in the ninth inning. But I don't know. End of the day, Billy Butler's got to be in there hitting, but I'm to the point where another two weeks pass and he's still not getting the job done. It's time to consider DFAing him and getting somebody else in here at DH at the deadline because he's not coming back next year either way, and he's not going to help the team sitting on the bench with his attitude. So that's just my uh, my two cents on Butler. Get him back in there. Give him a couple more weeks to get the bat going because the Royals need it. And it, it, they're probably not going to make the playoffs, obviously, if Butler doesn't start hitting because Hosmer's not hitting. I mean, somebody's going to have to uh, – Gordon's not hitting right now. Someone's going to have to step up here and be consistent. It's Two of those three guys are going to have to. And if the Royals run Butler out there for two more weeks and he still stinks, then by the time they make that move with the deadline, it's probably too little too late because – you can't afford to get any further back against Detroit with these four games coming up there and the three in Tampa as well. Now, I'll start, before we talk about Tampa, let's talk about that in depth, too. Uh, before we do that, and sorry for the length of this one, this is catching up from being gone for a weekend here in the dish. The All-Star selections, real quick, we'll talk about that. Congratulations to Salvi. Salvador Perez named, of course, the starting catcher in the American League as Matt Wieters is down with the Tommy John surgery. Salvi deserved every ounce of that. Great to see him getting rewarded and the world getting to see him again. All-star last year, but finally starting this year. Greg Holland deserves it. Alex Gordon deserves it. Was surprised they put him on there, but his war speaks for itself, how valuable he is to his baseball team and overall, not only for his position, but just overall in all of baseball. So I was surprised Gordon made it, actually. Now Escobar thought he could have made it. There's Some of these guys, the Royals may still get one more guy, probably Escobar if they get another guy. Just because there's a couple guys, including Victor Martinez and Edwin Encarnacion. Uh, granted, the Escobar doesn't play first base slash DH, but we'll see. We'll see. He has an outside chance, I think, of still getting named to the team. I, I thought he kind of got screwed. But to me, Wade Davis is the one that got screwed the most. And he's not even on the, 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 you know, the five to get in, which I understand. You've got guys like Corey Kluber and, and uh, you know, Chris Sale, on and on. So a lot of guys that easily could have been on the team that are on that next five to get voted in. I, to me, it's just ridiculous that Wade Davis isn't on the team or recognized. That's too bad because you could argue Wade Davis has been even better than Greg Holland. Just doesn't have that sexy save stat. Now let's talk about the Tampa Bay series now. So we're sitting right now three and three in the road trip. We said coming in six and three was the goal. Five and four, worst case. That's That, that hasn't changed. You got four against Detroit coming up. They're going to have to win three of those four. The way I look at it, the Royals need to be within three games of Detroit at the All-Star break. That's worst case. Two is the goal. You want to be within two of Detroit going into the break, three worst case. If you do that, you're probably going to be within two of the wild card. That gives you a decent chance. Not a good chance, but a decent chance. Just because you've only got a couple teams ahead of you for the wild card and one team ahead of you for the division. It's not like last year where the Royals came from way back, but their problem last year was you had four and five teams you were chasing there into August and early September. This year, it's going to be probably one. Detroit in the division and maybe two, you know, Seattle and whoever in the East, 
you know, is not in first place. So the Royals are probably only chasing two to three teams total this year versus four and five last year, which I like. I also hope they will add somebody, but I'm a little skeptical the more waiver wire, league minimum type old guys they pick up. And I, hate, I hate to call people old at 38 and 42 since I'm 33, but. So three and three on the road trip, the Royals have to go two out of three in Tampa. I, I would say sweep, but there's no way you can call this a must sweep series because Tampa is a juggernaut right now. The Royals are going into a buzzsaw. They won eight of 10 heading into the Sunday night game versus Detroit. I saw they were roughing up Rick Porcello in the first inning as I'm recording this. So don't know what will happen with that game, but Tampa will likely win with David Price on the Hill. So Tampa could easily won, have won nine of 11 when they come home on a big road trip. They come home. They're excited. They're going to have energy in there. James Shields pitches the first game, his first time throwing since the trade. There'll be a lot of fans there for Tampa standards tomorrow night and for Monday night standards as well. But Tampa's pitch, they're playing well right now. They're hitting. Forsyth is like the hottest hitter in baseball, it seems like, the last month. You got Joyce, Longoria, Jennings. Zobris at some point is going to heat up. I mean... You know, you get guys in the DL like Will Myers and DeJesus. I mean, that's a good team. I mean, they, they can score some runs. Their offense is better than the Royals, obviously. That's not going out on a limb. But, but the thing is, Tampa's talking competing as well. The, the whole attitude is back. I feel like their swagger is back right now. And that, and that, to me, is bad news for the Royals. Now, the good news in this series is the Royals do miss David Price and Chris Archer, the two big guns. And the Royals probably have the pitching matchup in two of these three games with another game being a draw. And you're going to be surprised the game that I call the draw. I know I'm surprised by it. But let's go through the series here. A series the Royals have to win two out of three in. They're not they're probably not going to sweep this series. So there's no way you can say they have to sweep to get to six and three. At this point, you'll take a five and four trip and three out of four against Detroit. That's how I look at it. This week, the Royals can lose two games. I want the Royals to go five and two this week. That's what I'm asking them to do this week. Go into the All-Star break, five and two. Puts you six over 500 and probably two out behind Detroit. Maybe even better, depending on what happens with Detroit and the Dodgers. Although the, you know, the, the, the Tigers do miss uh, Clayton Kershaw in that series, which sucks. But, of course, they miss him. But So tomorrow night, James Shields against Jake Odorizzi. This is a game I'm going to call draw. And if you would have told me before the season or three weeks ago that I would call Shields versus Odorizzi as a draw, I would have laughed in your face. But... I mean, Odorizzi's been pretty good. He's been kind of unlucky this year. Pakota would back me on that. Four and seven, who cares? We, we know when W and Ls don't really mean anything in the grand scheme. Four one eight, not great. Four one eight for Odorizzi. Of course, Shields isn't exactly great either. Not a lot higher than that. But according to Pakota, Odorizzi should be three eight eight. So that's a point three zero difference. He's he's been pretty unlucky, and you can see why because he's striking guys out. Odorizzi eighty eight and a third innings, one hundred and one Ks this year. So he's striking out better than a hitter per inning. Now, walks are kind of a problem. 35 and 88 and a third, obviously, is way too high. But let's look at Odorizzi's last five starts. He's given up three, one, zero, one, two. That sounded like a robot there. The last five starts for Odorizzi, three runs earned, one, zero, one, and two. Striking out over a hitter per inning, throwing a lot better. The Rays are back at home. They're hot. And James Shields is going in the exact opposite direction right now. I'm not even going to recap what he's been doing. We went over it for about 10 minutes after his last start. So I'm still concerned about Shields. He could go a long way in helping me be less concerned because tomorrow's a big game, and he's big game James. It really is a big game for the Royals and a big game for him. He's going back, quote-unquote, home 
where he grew up for the first time there. You know, the Rays organization hasn't pitched back there since. He's facing a buzzsaw right now. The Rays are, are, are hot, red hot right now. And, and the guy in, involved in the trade is there, too. He's pitching against him. It's, it's a pretty good storyline tomorrow night. Pretty good. It should be an exciting game. But I'm just saying I think this is a draw because, I mean, obviously career, there's no comparison. And Odorizzi's not going to have the career anywhere close to the career that, uh, that James Shields has had. No one will question that. But right now, Shields is going the wrong way. And I'm to the point where I'm not so certain it's just a slump, as we talked about before. It's been going on too long now. A month and a half of bad James Shields starts, and that's just too long to be called dead arm or unless there's something physically wrong I'm a little nervous about that so we'll see if his pitches are more explosive he needs to strike guys out he needs to be able to finish guys with two strikes tomorrow that's going to be a big key because he's not been able to put guys away with two strikes really the last six weeks so I don't love the Royals chances tomorrow gonna be honest with you I think Tampa's hot they're gonna be up up for that game big time Odorizzi's pitching better the Royals aren't exactly lighting the world on fire in recent games offensively so I don't love our chances. I like Tampa tomorrow. And I hate to say that. I never would have thought that. <laughs> Man, this is a bizarre game. Now, the good news is Tuesday and Wednesday, I like the Royals. Tuesday, you've got Jason Vargas and Eric Bedard going. Bedard is somehow only 34. Doesn't it seem like he's been in the league forever? 34-year-old lefty for Bedard. 4-6, and 4-8-2. Again, he's unlucky according to Bakota by a half run. They say 4-3-2. So, I mean, but it's still 4-3-2 is what he should be. 4-8-2, either way, is not really that good. It's quite a bit higher than Odorizzi. 4-8, you know, who should be 3-8-8. Bedard should be a half run higher at 4-3-2. In his last five, he's allowed 6-3-2-5-3. and three. So he's not been as good the last five outings either. He's not striking as many people out as Odorizzi. And the home run ball hasn't been awful. His stats aren't horrible with that, but they've hit him in very key situations. If you've watched his outings this year, he's given up home runs in the worst times. So I really like the Royals' chances on Tuesday. I think Vargas wins that game against Eric Bedard. So I'll say 1-1 one and one going into the last game, and I'll take the Royals in a one-run victory, which are hard to come by this year for the boys in blue, on Wednesday as you've got your Donovan Ventura against Alex Cobb. We'll talk more about that as it gets closer. But Cobb is 4-6 and six with a 4-2-8. Cobb, they're number three at the moment, you'd have to say. I mean, you look at, this, at these matchups. I mean, the guys the Royals are facing, none of them are scare you, of course, but... Did TJ House scare you? No. I mean, it's like Odorizzi 418, Bedard 482, Cobb 428. And the Royals have Shields, who should be your ace, but again, I can no longer go by last year. If I'm gonna if I'm gonna call Billy Butler out and you know, the same with James Shields. I don't care what he did last year anymore. You know, there's we're not comparing careers, we're comparing right now. Right now he's been getting, you know, hitting pretty hard. So we'll see what happens. I like the Royals two out of three in this. I will take them to lose something like Five to three on Monday, get probably a seven to two win on Tuesday, and like a four to three or three to two win on a Wednesday. Do that, come home with a five and four trip. Okay, we'll take it. We'll understand, of course, that at some point it needs to be more than that, and that five and four is not really that great against Minnesota, Cleveland, and Tampa, although Tampa's playing a lot better, so you have to kind of take out their record right now. It's kind of like they're playing. The best ball, not kind of like they are playing the best ball of the year, and it's kind of like they've started over fresh and just throwing everything else behind them. And the fact that nobody's running away with that East has kept them alive and kept them hungry and kept them now focused. So the Royals are getting them at a bad time, I think. Although they, the good news is, like I said, though, is they have the edge in the pitching matchups two of the three days. 
So we'll see what happens in this series. Again, five and four is not going to be great on this road trip, but you have to take it at this point. Two out of three against Tampa, you take it. Anything more is just great. Now, if they sweep Tampa, well, then six and three was a great road trip. Five and four is a good road trip. Either way, though, you got to come home and take care of that Detroit series. You're getting to the point in the season where you can't afford to split with Detroit if you're chasing them. And a four-game set, that's the last four-game set you get against them this year. you got to win three out of four in that Detroit series. We'll talk way more about that later this week. I don't want to get ahead of ourselves here. I have lots to say about that series. So thank you for hanging in there. If you listen to this whole thing, we're, what, 25 minutes in here on this series dish for Clubhouse Conversation, our first one of the year. I'll hate, hate that we had to miss two games, by the way. I tried to hit at least 130, 140 out of the 162. It just didn't work out for vacation. We'll be in a few weeks heading to Northwest Arkansas as well to give you some in-depth stuff about the Naturals. So we'll have one other series dish later on in the year, but for the most part should be here just about every single night the rest of the way here on Clubhouse Conversation. Have yourself a great rest of your Sunday, and go Royals.